CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in. Tommy Ashley from Inside Carolina here. Wanted to lead this episode of Live Reaction to the Tez Walker decision and give you a heads up. After Greg and I discussed the Walker decision that you'll hear in just a moment, Joey Powell and North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein talked Thursday afternoon as well. And I've put that audio at the end of the section with Greg and I. So enjoy live reaction, next level reaction with Greg Barnes and myself, and then Josh Stein and Joey Powell get together to talk about the Tez Walker situation and how the AG's office was involved. Welcome into a special edition. I guess we can call this the next level since Greg Barnes and I are about to go next level. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. They are the title sponsor to this podcast. Uh, also, Congruity HR. Your needs for HR and all that. Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels for a free assessment for your small business. Local. Everything you need uh, to handle your small business from HR to payroll that you concentrate on the people and the business while they handle everything else. Greg Barnes, this is uh, this is some news that may be long time in the making, uh, but I want to get you in here and, and go with uh, all the details. Because one thing that we've known over the years is the details and the facts can get lost in the immediacy and the social media world and all that. So let's break it down. How did we get here today? Tez Walker immediately eligible to play for North Carolina. Whoo, Tommy. Um, it's ridiculous that we had to wait until October 5th to get to this moment. Let's just lay that out there. Uh, North Carolina and Tez Walker had to attempt to convince the NCAA nine times to make Tez Walker eligible. It took nine times for this to happen. Um, so I guess you give, I don't want to give NCAA credit for much of anything, but I guess you give NCAA credit for finally seeing the light, although their, their hands were, uh, forced a little bit, but especially give credit to Tez Walker and, and his, his group, um, for, for staying on it and for not accepting really was, was a, a egregious decision on the behalf of the NCAA and for really working with UNC and for UNC to be willing to work with Tess Walker and his group uh, to make sure he was able to play. Um, you know, the fact that uh, North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein got involved, I think speaks volumes, um, you know, released a statement earlier today uh, in which he shared the, the letter that he wrote to the NCAA last week, uh, basically laying out, hey, these are all the issues that have already been discussed over the last eight months. Uh, and then kind of threw in there at the end that, hey, uh, you know, it raises 
serious antitrust concerns as an illegal restraint of trade. That was the quote. So not only is Tez Walker uh, eligible because he met all the, checked all the boxes for mental health, right? Uh, the rules changed after he enrolled at UNC. Because of all these things, and you get into the North Carolina Central aspect of where their season was canceled because of COVID. And he was punished for practicing during a year in which the football season was canceled in terms of making that count as a one-time transfer. So those are three things that we've beaten to death. And now he actually checked all these boxes. And yet now you add in the fact that the North Carolina Attorney General got involved in terms of saying, hey, we're highlighting some of these antitrust concerns. Um, it's ridiculous that, that it took this long. Now, this really should be kind of a, a celebratory um, day for North Carolina fans, and it is. I mean, Tez Walker's a great player. I hate it for him that he had to wait this long to be able to play. He will play on, on Saturday. Uh, but, geez, you just have to really scratch your head. You have the adults in the room about why this was such an issue. Um, but, again, you know, congrats to, to Tez for – persevering and for his group for really working hard to make sure they they righted a wrong. Yeah, you make the great point about the antitrust issues and uh, those type things tend to scare folks into uh, maybe reassessing their stance. Let me read you or read the folks the NCAA statement. And Greg, I do find this one interesting. It said, it is unfortunate that UNC failed to provide this information Previously, important information previously, while we must be careful not to compromise a student-athlete's right to privacy when it comes to sensitive issues, we want to assure the D1 membership and everybody watching how the new transfer rules are applied and that this meets the new transfer waiver standards. They, they open that statement by saying, receive new information regarding University of North Carolina student-athlete Tez Walker this week. Staff determined with the new information the new information qualifies Walker for a transfer waiver. The information had not been made available by UNC previously, despite the school's multiple chances to do so. Greg, I'm not sure what to make of that. So the is bottom, there? The bottom line is Tez is eligible. That's ultimately all that matters. That's an interesting statement from the NCAA. Yeah, anything in there, Tommy, saying, hey, congrats to Tez Walker. We apologize for costing you four games. Did nope, you see it, that anywhere? It does not. It goes on, and this is more, and this is important. And I think, folks, shout out to the almost 600 joining us live at Inside Carolina for a Next Level Reaction Show. UNC's behavior and decision to wage a public relations campaign is inappropriate and out of bounds of the process UNC's own staff supported. Had the UNC staff not behaved in this fashion and submitted this information weeks ago, this entire unfortunate episode could have been avoided. I'm glad this is live um, because I'd probably get in trouble with the FCC if it were not. That is, that is unbelievable. It is utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. Uh, take some accountability. If you're going to sit there and you're going to claim that, hey, we're about the student athletes now. We weren't previously, even though we never admitted it. But as soon as our hands were forced with NIL, all of a sudden, we're much more about helping the student-athlete. And yet, basically what they're saying is, is 
North Carolina didn't just accept what we told them, even though they had a point, which is why we ultimately granted Tez Walker eligibility. Forget that. Forget that they were right. But the fact that they actually raised concerns and they voiced their disapproval with the fact that we were wrong, which, as we know today, they were wrong. And instead of saying, you know what? We, we made a mistake. Was UNC perfect? No, they weren't. Ultimately, they're part of our institution, right? This is a voluntary association. They're a member of our club. So while they may not have been perfect, we certainly weren't either. And so this is a learning opportunity. And unfortunately, Tez Walker is the one who got screwed in this. Where is that in the letter of the NCAA if they truly care about student-athletes? Can we cut the crap and be honest about what this really is? How much does Charlie Baker make as the head of the NCAA? I don't know what that number is. $5 million, $20 million? What does Tez Walker make? Nothing. He does not receive a paycheck from UNC or the NCAA. And yet, instead of saying, sorry, kid, we made a mistake, enjoy the game against Syracuse on Saturday, the NCAA stoops to this level to say, well, North Carolina really just screwed this up. And that's it. Give me a break. Yeah, I mean, you know, I started this live stream earlier and then you had to get some more information. And this is why, folks. Greg was not only getting back background information and filling out all the crossing the T's and dotting the I's, he was getting it together <laughs> to discuss the NCAA's nonsense. Uh, I mean, this is an institution that um, moments after they denied Tez the right to play ahead of South Carolina, they were tweeting out about mental health, almost in a mocking fashion, um, and, and saying things like, well, if your mental health's so bad, maybe you shouldn't be playing a sport. You should be concentrating on your mental health, things like that. And here we are today, October 5th. They've granted him eligibility. Thank goodness for Tez gets the opportunity to do um, what he's blessed to be able to do. And they say that. They blame the North Carolina staff, Mac Brown not called out by name here, but blame the UNC staff for behaving in such a fashion. Um, and if they'd have done their jobs, basically, this would have been over a long time ago. I don't, I don't know what else to add on that, Greg. I, I mean, it is just, it blows my mind. The tone deafness and downright, I, I, don't need, I think it goes beyond tone deaf, right? Because if you're tone deaf, you just don't know. I think they full well know what they're doing here. Tez Walker caught in the uh, crossfire, caught in the wash, or whatever you want to call it. He is eligible to play against South against Syracuse, <laughs> South Carolina. A little late on that one, but Greg, just some background for folks over the last couple weeks, because last we heard, uh, I believe it was after uh, App State, maybe that it was over with, and, and there was a lot more that could be done, but probably wouldn't be done. What have you learned over the last couple of weeks? Well, uh, let me let me say this first, and I'll dive into that, Tommy. Um, it's about self-preservation for the NCAA. Um, I wrote an article after the Michael McAdoo uh, lawsuit back in the summer of 2011. So this has been going on for a long, long time. Basically highlighting the point that what the NCAA had done for years and years and years and years is when somebody finally got them in a corner and had them dead to rights and potentially had them in a court situation where serious change was coming, 
Because as we know, the only time the NCAA has ever made serious change is when the government decides to breathe down their neck. That is it. That is the only time. Whenever they've been put in those situations, what do they do? They bring out a lot of money, right? And they say, hey, uh, you know, let's settle kind of behind the scenes. Um, let's kind of make this go away. We, we can't help you in terms of getting your eligibility back. But let's just make this go away so it doesn't go to court. And then what happens is down the road, they do the same thing. And this has been, a, this has been their track record. It's all about self-preservation. So they don't have to put out a statement like they did today, which indicates to everybody that they haven't been in this situation before, right? The last couple of years have been really hard on the NCAA because NIL. Because now all of a sudden, the kids are starting to get a piece of the pie. And that means less money going to the NCAA. That's where it's going anyway. Um, and so this is a unique situation where, you know, Tez's group was able to force the issue now and not do it after the season where it wouldn't help Tez whatsoever. And the NCAA could kind of make it go away. So what happened after, you know, after that final hearing, which was number eight, by the way, <laughs> number, okay, let me say it like this. It was number eight in terms of the NCAA listening and considering Tez's proposal. But that was the first time and the only time and that includes this past five weeks, the only time they've ever talked to Tez Walker. Um, so give him credit for talking to him once, but. For however long, you know, for a few minutes. 15 minutes, I think is what it was. Um, so, yeah, throughout this whole 10-month ordeal, Tez has talked to NCAA for 15 minutes. Um, but basically after that, I think Carolina had, had run its course and figured out that, hey, you know what? We did everything we could. We, we had this PR campaign. It just is not going to work. Well, at that point in time, Tess had to make a decision. Um, like, okay, am I am I ready? Just let this be and to go ahead and prepare for the NFL draft and or decide that, hey, I'm going to wait one more year, stay at Carolina, and try to boost my draft stock in, in 2024. Um, and he put together a really good group of, of individuals to kind of support him, a legal team. Um, and that group worked really hard and kind of dove into all this and determined that, okay, well, here, here's a couple avenues that we can take. Um, and I think one thing is important. Yeah, I highlighted the, the fact that Just Stein um, pointed out the um, serious antitrust concerns as a legal restraint of trade. That's important to kind of know what the potential mess could have been for the NCAA. Uh, my understanding is that really didn't play a major factor in NCAA ultimately uh, deciding that Tez Walker could be eligible. Maybe in the background of, hey, if this continues, maybe that's something on the docket for later. But in the immediate uh, conversations, it was really about, okay, well, this is the process of what it takes to get a kid eligible. Um, where was Tez Walker lacking? And what can we do to address any of those potential concerns you may have? That's ultimately what it was. Which brings me back to the point of if the NCAA was really about the rights of student athletes and taking care of them and promoting them and protecting them, then instead of saying, hey, you have to have all these boxes checked properly, right? What's, what's the whole thing with the SAT? If you're outside the line just a little bit, then it kicks it out and you're done. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Right. So instead of saying, you know what, uh, 
you need to tighten up here. We're missing this right here. This would be very, very valuable for us to have. And if you could provide this instead of this other stuff that you thought was checking that box, then we can talk. And at the end of the day, my understanding is that's what it was. Um, Finally came it, to senses, I guess. After it's, it's ridiculous, but it took it took Tez's team saying, "You know what? We're not going to give up on the kid. We think this is a legitimate wrong. Um, it's worth fighting for him and to keep at it." Um, and UNC you know, did what it could. They understand the NCAA, but it took some outside eyes to say, "Okay, well, let, let's see what we can do maybe to help. You know, how can we address maybe some some gaps here?" And that that um, collaboration between UNC and Tez Walker's group ultimately uh, did enough to sway the NCAA into making the right decision on trial number nine. Yeah, let me ask you one more question about what I mentioned in their statement. They said that had North Carolina done this or done that, you, you sort of alluded to it, and we talked about it a, a while back. What did North Carolina not do over the past 10 months that it should have done or could have done that the NCAA may be referencing here. I'm just curious in that regard. So I'm a little bit limited in, in how much I can share. What I, what I can say, I think probably the easiest way to, to phrase it is this. Everybody knows, um, we've talked about before, but I'll kind of go a, a quick history. Last summer, the NCAA, uh, well, not this past summer, summer of 2022, the NCAA was seriously considering allowing student athletes to transfer as many times as they wanted without losing immediate eligibility. And they got a lot of pushback from member institutions and because of coaching staffs didn't want it. Coaching staffs wanted to limit the amount of uh, inflow and outflow of the transfer portal. And so in August of 2022, the NCAA said, all right, um, you know, everybody gets a, a one-year free transfer Beyond that, we are working on a process to really tighten things up and really to, to provide guidelines uh, and, and get through a lot of this stuff where there's, there's easy ins and easy outs for the transfer portal. Basically, you know, if you've transferred once before, it's going to be really tough for you to do it again. And so as everybody knows, the, the thought was that was going to go into effect before the second semester started. It did not, which is really where all this kind of started. Tez Walker and however many other kids that transferred in December uh, enrolled, and for Tez, it was January 9th. Well, the NCAA put forth new laws, new guidelines on January 11th, so after he had already enrolled. Uh, and there was a lot to this. There, there was a lot of uh, points that they had made and a lot of new information with the guidelines. And so uh, a lot of these Schools, UNC included, were trying to kind of catch up and trying to understand exactly what was required. And uh, my response to kind of the, to the NCAA's statement they put out today is, was Carolina perfect in terms of submitting exactly what was necessary? Probably not. Now, was the NCAA 100% accurate in the information they provided back to UNC? No. Okay. And so because of how all this came about very quickly, there were mistakes made on both sides. And instead of the NCAA just saying, you know what? We both kind of screwed up a little bit. I mean, we're not talking major things here. We're just talking about very minute, um, small details. 
But if the NCAA was being honest and legitimate, they would say, hey, there, there were some errors on both sides. You know, we probably shouldn't have instituted this after the second semester started. It created some problems. Um, we're, we're learning from this. You know, we're, we're about the student athlete. So we're making strides to get better. We will take a long look at this, make sure we do better next time. They, of course, chose not to go that route. But that's what a respectable organization would have done. That's what a legitimate organization would have done. But instead, now they're just trying to uh, throw fire at UNC and blaming UNC for Tez Walker missing four games, uh, which is complete nonsense. Yeah, I mean, all laws and everything, living documents and all that, they are adjusted, they evolve and all. And it sounded like they came to an impasse. And I think it was because they were pissed that Mac came out so hard sure. at them. And, and uh, you know, that statement, anybody that had any doubts if that was the case, then that statement certainly puts it out there, at least from the NCAA side. Let me ask you this, Greg, and, and this is a live reaction to Tez Walker being granted immediate eligibility. We'll call it a next level, but it's certainly one of Inside Carolina's special podcast. And shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and also Congruity sponsors of this show. But, Greg, how much of uh, the fire of seeing uh, – other guys granted eligibility, whether it was the Minnesota player, the Colorado running back, and all these cases that just keep coming through where they're granting them. Okay, you can play. Okay, you got it. You can play. That sounds great. You can play. How much of that really fueled all of this animosity uh, and drive by everybody involved to help Tez? I mean, is that something that people said, look, that guy doesn't have the same case as Tez does, but you're you're, you're not letting Tez play. I mean, where did all that play out? I don't know that that play – I think that was much a much bigger deal with the fan base. Um, and the reason I say that is you know, UNC is a member of the NCAA. I'm going to make sure that people don't forget that. Um, and member institutions are ultimately the ones who vote on a lot of these policies that come into play. Um, but the NCAA, for a long time, has been all about confidentiality. You know, if you, if you go back to 2010 – one of the ways that we were able to pinpoint when um, some of the interviews were taking place with Marvin Austin and Greg Little and uh, Robert Quinn and some of those guys in the summer of 2010 is because I was able to make public records requests to UNC. And through that law, they had to provide information of communications they had with the NCAA. Well, as soon as the NCAA figured out what I was doing, they all automatically changed course. And there was no longer these types of um, email exchanges and they set up this private server so that everything went through that so they can circumvent the public records law. Um, and that's, I mean, is that they, the Greg Barnes law? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to take credit for it, but that, that kind of speaks to some of the issues, um, that they, they're so confidential in terms of how they try to handle things. Um, and so because of that, while you do see these stories of, Hey, this kid played at like three schools and he's eligible. Well, everything's confidential. So UNC did not have a way to go to Colorado, for example, where the kid was declared eligible and say, uh, yeah, we want to see his case file. We want to see exactly what you know, boxes he checked to be able to get eligible. You can't do that. And so while you know, the fan base understandably was saying, hey, well, how is this kid getting to play? And Tez is not. Um, I think what the NCAA said, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Tommy, I think they said like 20% of the multi-year transfer waivers were accepted, were granted. So eight out of 10 did not get cleared. And Taz was one of those until today. 
Um, and so you really just kind of throw in darts at a board saying, well, we think maybe it's this, we think maybe it's that. And so because of that, you can't waste your time, you know, as the UNC compliance department, as Tez and his lawyers saying, we're going to guess on what happened. Um, we have to really focus on the case at hand. And do we believe that Tess has a legitimate case? Clearly they did. They kept fighting and ultimately an NCAA made the right decision. Last question for you, Greg, um, and folks watching this, we'll be back later tonight. Greg Barnes gets no time off. We got a game plan podcast to talk about tonight, nine o'clock, uh, UNC and Syracuse with Jason Staples. Of course, this, this news might change that game plan podcast just a little bit on the football side of things. Um, but, but what's next for the NCAA, Greg? And, and I know that's kind of a holistic question, um, but, you know, what is the, uh, what's next? Uh, I mean, how can this, this entity, voluntary, as you say, continue to stand on its two feet and rule over the college landscape, given these type cases? You know, Tommy, um, unfortunately, I feel like we've talked about this a lot, and I don't know that anything's changed. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, the media is much more tuned to the issues that the NCAA represents, which is a good thing. They understand that the NCAA is not um, just doing the, the will of the people, right? That they actually are bureaucrats um, and are really about themselves instead of being about the student athletes, which is kind of the whole purpose. Uh, and so that's beneficial, that there is a lot of media pressure. Therefore, when this stuff happens, the, the media is going to jump on them more, which is necessary. But as we've discussed before, uh, member institutions seemingly do not care about the NCAA and its decisions unless it is affecting them. Directly. Directly. Correct. Directly. And then when you get in, you get into it, right? When you get into the weeds, you're like, this is nonsense. Like this is, uh, this is not how it should be. And yet, uh, other schools, oh, well, you know, I mean, NC State is NC State, right? But think about like NC State in terms of their view of Tez Walker and if the situation was reversed, right? NC State don't want Tez Walker to play because it's a competitive advantage on the field. You know, would Carolina want Phillip Rivers to be able to suit up for NC State? No. Uh, and that's really what you're dealing with. And until there's a, a large collective group of member institutions who say, you know what, this is an issue that needs to be addressed. Well, what did Charlie Baker, well, I guess it wasn't Charlie Baker, it was the Division One Council head, guy from Georgia, said in the, the letter, yeah, when he was kind of blasting Mac, he said, hey, if you got a problem with it, change the rules. Address the rules. And he's right, but that's also um, a little bit nonsensical because he understands that there has to be this massive swell of schools wanting to make this type of change, and there just really isn't. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, for, for me, um, it's kind of like the NCAA works, and, and most schools are like the person who hires somebody to, you know, build a house. They don't really care how it gets built, as long as it's built and they can live in it, um, you know. But obviously, there are different levels going into that. And, and you don't ever notice it until it's time to look at it and figure out what's wrong with it. And North Carolina's had to deal with that, quite frankly, um, quite often. Greg Barnes has certainly got that experience in dealing with the NCAA. We're calling that the Greg Barnes server. There, <laughs> there is a Greg Barnes server up in Indianapolis, probably still, 
probably dusted it off for this one. Greg, anything left before we get out of here in this live reaction show? I guess at uh, almost 2 o'clock on Thursday, August 5th, October 5th. Well, I hate that, that we spent the the half hour here, Tommy, kind of blasting in Sible when it really should just be praise for Tez Walker and kind of all that he's been through and for him to be able to finally play on, on Saturday. I think it's important for fans to understand that while he did practice with the first team in training camp, once it became clear that he was not going to be able to play, Carolina had to move into the scout team. Why? Well, one, there wasn't a lot of hope that he was going to be able to play, and you only have so many reps to give out during game prep. So typically, first and second team guys get all the reps, maybe a third team guy, and everybody else is on the scout team helping to prepare the starters for the next opponent. Well, as, as optimism started to build, really starting last Wednesday, so about nine days ago, that, okay, there's a chance here, um, things kind of changed course a little bit. And so I know as of today, Tez Walker didn't run with the ones, he did run with the twos. Um, so what that tells me is that given that he's been cleared to play, he will play a lot on Saturday. Um, and not to give any secrets away, but I, I don't think anybody would be surprised if there's a few plays drawn up specifically for Tez Walker on North Carolina's first series. Yeah, I watched, uh, or, or I was Jeremiah Holloway and myself, and I was on a couple Syracuse podcasts earlier in the week, and we talked a lot. And I, you know, I thought this might have been possible, but I was never uh, thinking we'd get here given what's going on. And uh, they all ask about Tez Walker and they realize the importance he is for North Carolina's offense. We will talk about that and a lot more tonight on the game plan with Jason Staples and Greg Barnes. Uh, Greg, it is always a pleasure to talk this stuff with you because you've been on it. You've been on it since July 2010 when you called me at the beach and, and told me that Trouble was in town. And Trouble, that name was NCAA way back then. And, and you've been on top of these issues ever since. Tez Walker, the latest Tez Walker, immediately eligible to play for North Carolina this season. And that starts at 3.30 on Saturday versus Keenan Stadium. Join us tonight at 9 o'clock on the Game Plan Live. Shout out to the 850 or so folks that joined us. It's Greg Barnes. I'll be his agent. You can buy his book at some point in the near future <laughs> down the road about how to deal in the college landscape of the NCAA. Greg, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Tommy. Stay tuned for Joey Powell and North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein on InsideCarolina.com. Welcome in for a special edition Inside Carolina podcast. I'm Joey Powell, and the title sponsor for today's show is Johnny T-Shirts, a Franklin Street tradition for 40 years and your home online and in person. To get the best in Tar Heel gear, be sure to visit them at JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We're also sponsored by Congruity. If you own a small or mid-sized business, this North Carolina-based company excels at taking care of all of our payroll and HR needs so your business can grow. Go to congruityhr.com forward slash Tar Heels. All right. Well, when we have big legal issues surrounding team sports, specifically the North Carolina Tar Heels, we go to the top lawyer in the state of North Carolina, and I'm joined today by Attorney General Josh Stein. Uh, Attorney General Stein, first things first, thanks for the time. I want to ask you, how did you come to hear about the Tez Walker case? Well, like anyone else, I read the sports pages and I care a lot about college sports. And I thought, well, first of all, I was really surprised at the South Carolina game when he was pulled at the last minute by the NCAA. And then I was sure when the NCAA had the opportunity to revisit that decision that it would do the right thing. I mean, after all, 
This is a kid who had only played at one other school before, Kent State. And when he came to North Carolina, he came in solid academic standing. He had a 3.7 GPA at Kent State. And he had fam family and mental health issues that wanted to bring, made him want to come back home. Uh, and so I just, this is such a no-brainer. And then when they didn't do it, uh, I was as frustrated as anyone else in terms of this nameless, faceless bureaucracy denying a kid what should be his right, which is to play college football. Uh, and so we started looking into the legal issues and there are real issues in terms of how the NCA has with this transfer rule. Uh, and so we wrote them a letter expressing our concerns about their unfair treatment of Tez. We urged them to reconsider and uh, I'm sure there were other factors that went into the NCAA's decision. I know that Tez had his own lawyers and they worked really hard to make the best case for him that they could. Uh, but whatever the cause is, I'm just happy for the kid. You know, I saw the video of him celebrating with Coach Brown. And how great uh, is that? It's it's what is what should happen. You know, I've got a college sophomore. I have a kid who's a college sophomore and I've got one who just graduated college. And so uh, I know what it's like for kids in college. They're trying to make their own way. They're trying to figure out what their path is. They're trying to figure out who they are. Uh, and this kid, Tez, he should be able to play. And I'm so happy that he can. So you mentioned uh, Tez's attorneys. What other parties might have been involved with, with this whole situation from a legal perspective? Well, the university uh, through its board of trustees, I know the board of trustees has been really working hard on this issue as well. Uh, they had their own counsel. I, I represent the state and I represent the university, but in this instance, they had outside counsel. I was uh, involved in my capacity of representing the state of North Carolina and our antitrust laws. Uh, and then Tez had his lawyers and uh, they were great lawyers who did a tremendous job making the case for Tez. So you mentioned the term antitrust and I know that's a big buzzword, especially today in light of the news, but can you help help us understand what antitrust means with regard to a case like this in the NCAA? Yeah, basically, it's illegal for any entity to restrain trade in an anti-competitive manner, meaning that you make it harder for somebody to do what they want to do. You have to have a pro-competitive reason for doing that, to restrain trade. And basically, they're saying to Tez, you can't do what you do, which is play college football. And there isn't a good pro-competitive reason. One plausible reason that the NCAA may use to justify its rule is that it helps kids who transfer multiple times get acclimated to a new environment academically and socially. But that has no meaning when you have a kid like Tez who is got over 3.0 GPA. It just doesn't make any sense. And so uh, it, it's an unfair rule and it was unfairly applied to Tez Walker. Now, something I think folks may be aware of or may not be aware of, but you mentioned it in your press release today from your office. You wrote a letter to the NCAA on Tez's behalf. What was your goal when you wrote that letter? To urge them to reconsider the issue and, and to answer these questions about the validity of the rule and its in its entirety. Uh, mainly, we wanted to help this young man get on the field because that's what his dream is, is to play college football at UNC and then succeed and go on professionally. And that's what we want all kids to do, go to college uh, and then go pursue their life's dreams. And so the fact that uh, they were mistreating him, we made the case on how that was unfair. Uh, and we demanded to get their uh, thoughts on how how do they justify this rule in, in, in any way? We're talking with North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein in light of the recent change in ruling by the NCAA regarding UNC wide receiver Tez Walker. 
Uh, Josh, despite what the NCAA release said, which I think is just a patent petty attempt at at bull scat, in your opinion, what do you think changed from their end after kind of some legal pressure started happening? What what can you see may have changed? I think that uh, one, they realized that they weren't going to get a free pass by exercising their will however they wanted, that they were going to be held accountable for the decision they made. Uh, and, and I can't underscore what a good job Tez's lawyers did in making the case for Tez. Uh, and so uh, I, I think that NCA didn't want to lose. Uh, and, and if they thought that they could win, they wouldn't have granted this waiver. Well, uh, one more question for you. Uh, Attorney General Josh Stein joining us here on a special uh, Inside Carolina podcast. And we appreciate your time, AG. Um, you know, you're a, a legend in Chapel Hill uh, as far as soccer goes. So I want to ask you, You've got some sports knowledge. Do you want to give me any predictions for the Tar Heels the rest of the season for for the UNC football team now that Tez Walker will will officially be playing? Well, I never would have thought I'd have to put Duke as one of the toughest games remaining. <laughs> but it looks like that they're playing really high-level football. Uh, State always plays Carolina uh, crazy good. I think the Heels are going to end up 9-2. and two. I think they've got a lot going for them, but there's enough imperfections along the way that I don't think they'll be unblemished. You know, I, I think most rational heels fans will probably agree with that. I certainly appreciate that you've uh, appreciate that you've been willing to kind of go out on a limb here. Uh, last thing I'll ask you, and we'll let you go about this Tez Walker case. Uh, you mentioned seeing the video of he and he and uh, Mac Brown and, and Lonnie Galloway after he found out he was eligible. Have you ever had something like this in your tenure? You know, you've won a lot of big, um, big cases in, in your tenure as attorney general. Have you ever had any situations where you get to finally see the 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 happiness moment or the the just you know the the justice be done for for folks like Tez? Have you had a chance to see a lot of that in your career? I've been blessed, and the answer to that is yes. I've I, we've worked hard to vindicate people's rights. I mean, it might have been somebody whose uh, property was taken over by a predatory lender or uh, a woman who was sexually assaulted and finally gets to see her rapist go behind bars. Uh, one of the reasons I do the job of attorney general is because we fight for justice for people and try to do right by people. And it doesn't matter who's on the other side. Uh, and to be able to do this and, and see uh, folks have that better future that's an, a, an immense reward for which i'm very grateful well i'm sure it helps get you out of bed in the morning and and i know tar heel fans and everybody listening and watching this will probably agree with me that they appreciate uh, your involvement in this case as well as uh, governor roy cooper who sent a letter to uh to the president of the ncaa sometime back uh but the end of the story it's turned out to be a good one for tar heel fans and for tez walker as he has been granted eligibility immediately by the ncaa uh, in part uh, to his lawyers, the UNC's lawyers, but also to the gentleman that spoke with us today, Attorney General of North Carolina, Josh Stein. Josh, we appreciate it. Hope to talk to you sometime very soon. And thanks for making time with us on a busy day. Very great to talk to you. All right. Take care. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.